and welcome to the Hometown Headlines Podcast Edition, a.k.a. the Druck Report. John Drucker Miller with you from HometownHeadlines.com. Thanking you for joining us today. I'm going to talk about what's outdoors, what's indoors, what it means to you. If you are familiar with the Coosa River Basin Initiative, the CRBI, easier to say, what they've done out there. You'll probably follow them online at Coosa.org. doing a fantastic job. Uh, the current, I guess, executive director is the proper title there. And in the name, it is the best name in Rome, Floyd County, in northwest Georgia. Jesse DeMondrian Chapman. Close <laughs> enough, right? Yeah, it. nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Jesse, glad to have you on board. I thought Drucker Miller was tough. I mean, people think, oh, my God, 13 letters. <laughs> Bet they called you Drunken Miller growing up. Yeah, I hear that every day. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure we had a similar kindergarten experience. Oh, learning, yeah. learning how to write that last name was uh, one of my top kindergarten challenges. Well, and, but you're probably like me, too. And people start saying, well, how do you spell that? So I'm doing it since I was five years old. Why can't you? You know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, glad to have you on, on board here today. We're talking up again, talking about what's going on, kind of an update of what CRBI has been doing. Before we get started, here's my here is my not gratuitous uh, greeting. I want to thank you and your group for what you do. I don't think people realize that, you know, we were talking a little bit off air on this. Uh, we moved here in 2002. I grew up in a community in Florida where we were on two rivers and just off the ocean. So actually three rivers counting the St. John's. And it's all you did. You boated, you swam, you fished, you played, whatever it is. The rivers were our playground. We move here, and I see nobody on our rivers. And I'm like, I don't see kayakers. I don't see canoeists. I, don't, I see signs about fishing, this kind of stuff. In that time, you guys have really put together and really and continued your work. You've been doing it for years now to clean up our waterways, to make these waterways more usable. Now we do see the, the river rats groups out there. We see the paddle groups, the floats, that kind of stuff. It's just so exciting to see people in these 8 million, you know, kayaks and canoes. In fact, Jesse, I think you told me this stat one time in, uh, in, the, in the radio world. I think the Dunhams here at Mount Berry Square yeah. Mall, whatever it is today, is one of the top sellers of kayaks in the country? Yeah, uh, I think that they have uh, somewhere around 250 locations nationwide. And this one, I, I don't know what year it was, but in sales was number three. Which is For just kayaks. absolutely insane. And that's it sitting, you know, up at the mall, which, you know, has... has you know, struggled off and on for years, and I don't think that's any secret. But the fact that they were turning out that kind of business um, for, you know, a town, an area that's relatively small compared to where a lot of their other locations are was um, really astounding. Um, and uh, like you said, this uh, it's like, you know, this whole town had a, just a complete blind spot where these rivers yep. were. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my goodness, this is such an incredible place to, you know, go play. Um, and, uh, you know, just like that, it seems um, now you can't drive through town without seeing kayaks on the roof or paddle boards, people out on the water. Um, it's it's really great. They would hit us, I think, most. It was about a year and a half, two years ago. We were down at uh, Riverdog and using, you know, we're at the, at the beer garden there. And somehow we got there at a time of day. But we actually had the prime seats, so we could look. We could sit on the edge, and you got to look down, but you could see everybody floating by. And we're sitting there, and it's kind of like you're in Helen, Georgia. If you've ever been to Helen, you're seeing all the folks in the inner tubes that never come on by there. But, I mean, it was a flotilla, and it was not an organized event. It's just you maybe river rats, something like that. But, I mean, there's this, and there's, there's some people coming by here. In fact, one of my neighbors, I won't use his name. Uh, but he, I see him and his wife and two kids. They're on this thing that had to be 
oh, maybe 15 feet by 15 feet, kind of a family, <laughs> whatever it is, raft or whatever. One of the raft, more like a blowed up thing kind of stuff. But I mean, I said to my wife, I said, look, finally, people are on these waterways having fun on a Saturday afternoon. I guess Riverdog's got a, you can land right there and you can pull yourself up in a rope. But I mean, again, they're back on the, they're back on the waterway. You guys are responsible for that. You guys have been responsible for a lot of development, uh, going in the right areas, wearing safe, keeping out of areas where maybe we shouldn't have that kind of stuff. So number one, thank you for that long-winded <laughs> opening saying that. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, of course, in, in my line of work, and I think in your line of work as well, we always hear that, okay, so what have you done for us lately? So that's <laughs> why you're here. What is CRB do, RBI doing here? What should we keep our eye on out there? And more important, what are you guys keeping your eyes on? Yeah, uh, certainly. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, I think one of the things that I love talking to um, – uh, all kinds of groups and, and people when I run into them just out in the public is just the different things that CRBI does uh, that the public may not be aware of. And I think that in this town, um, everybody has heard of CRBI. Um, uh, most people would recognize the logo. Uh, maybe half of those people would know what CRBI stands for. And then like, other than that, in terms of what we actually do, you know, the knowledge of that can be really limited. Um, and uh, I, I think the things that we do are so broad um, that I think most people have this idea that we're a paddle trip organization and, you know, generally care about water um, and are often light on specific. So I love talking about um, the different things that we've done. Um, we've had a, a really great opportunity this summer to be uh, regularly featured in the Rome News Tribune through our bacterial monitoring program, where uh, we've had a summer intern collecting water samples at several uh, popular boat ramps uh, where people are putting in and having, you know, some of the most contact with water and taking bacterial samples so that people can get a sense for what the E. coli levels are in the water and make you know, on a Saturday morning, an educated decision on where they'd like to paddle that day. Um, we started this summer with uh, four sites, um, starting up in U-Harley, um, at U-Harley Road, um, Neil's Landing at 411, Grizzard Park, and Heritage Park. Um, and we're hoping to expand that um, up the Ustinala into Calhoun and uh, further up the Etowah into Cartersville and beyond. Um, so that was a, a really great opportunity to uh, get some useful information in front of um, Rome citizens and the people who are, you know, now enjoying our waterways. Um, so we're we're excited to, you know, promote different work that we're doing, and we want to make sure that we're always um, a, a voice of reason and a, a solid reliable source of information to the public um, so that they can be aware of um, concerns in the waterways and uh, and like we said uh, be feel completely self-assured when they go out and uh, enjoy our local waterways we know it's funny we just had something in the uh, in the headlines this week about a blight and litter task force and it's got a lot of attention a lot of eyeballs opened here of course we have keep rome floyd beautiful still going as well and what kind of hit me is kind of a back thought here is, okay, so we are worried about, you know, some people, and I'm not, whatever, who drive by, open the windows up, and that, you know, that, that street, that corner, whatever, that's the nearest garbage can, yeah, right on the ground. Um, 
But what about the waterways? You guys do the same thing, and yet we don't kind of give that the same focus or the same appreciation. Yes, we have, you know, uh, Riverkeeper cleanups and, you know, Brushy Branch. Over the years, Mary Harden Thornton's done a fantastic job mm-hmm. organizing those things and all. But you're right. I don't think people realize that's part of what you guys do. You try to keep, you know, as we're trying to keep our grounds and our roads and our whatever sides clean, you guys are trying to make sure the rivers stay as clean, if not cleaner. People don't realize how much water do we draw out of these rivers every day to use in Rome. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure that the total volume um, daily, but it's it's a significant amount. Um, and uh, we're relying more and more heavily on the Etowah River um, because of some contaminant concerns in the Ustanala. Um, uh, I received a large amount of questions after the most recent drinking water health report that um, uh, the water department sent out, and um, they are uh, doing some things that weren't included in that report that are uh, really encouraging and uh, how they're managing some of the different kind of emerging contaminants that are found in our waterways. Um, but we, we like to keep an eye on all of that stuff. Um, I think that historically, you know, CRBI and perhaps rightfully so has certainly got a, a reputation of, um, uh, challenging things after the fact, um, being very reactionary uh, to uh, development plans or to to you know uh, instances where somebody has accidentally you know dumped a whole bunch of stuff in stormwater drains, um, and I think with you know just being a small staffed organization that works on a 5,500 square mile watershed, wow. which you know goes up into Tennessee, goes uh, east practically to Lake Lanier. Uh, and then goes into Alabama, including Lake Weiss. Um, we run around a lot, and we end up reacting quite a lot just as a, a result of the nature of being a small organization being stretched that far. But one of our distinct goals moving forward, um, we're 26 this year, and we're looking at what we want to be in you know, another 25 years. What do we look like 50 years in? And one of our express goals is um, being more proactive in our approach and dealing with uh, developers and uh, planning commissions um, and making sure that water protection is on the front end of all of this planning. Um, we certainly have no desire to be <laughs> on the back foot and reacting uh, to things. And we don't want to be, you know, we certainly don't want to be hiding behind shrubs, jumping out, yelling, gotcha. That's <laughs> that's not our goal. And I, I think that um, there there may be times when people believe that that's what we do. And, that, I, and I'm just to state very plainly, that's not what we're all about. Um, I live in Rome and I want... Uh, I want Rome to continue growing and thriving. I want its con- economy to continue to grow and thrive. And I want uh, sound and safe development that puts our rivers on a pedestal rather than as an afterthought. And um, I-, I think that the whole community benefits from that. And I certainly want this place um, to really focus on rivers so that as my daughter and son grow up, they can enjoy them just like I am. And uh that uh, we're only increasing the opportunity to enjoy those waterways. No, it's a great cause. Like I said, what you guys do is so important out there. Example I want to bring up again is back to the Burwell Creek situation, and that was something that made a lot of headlines for a few years here in Rome. Uh, Ledbetter's had some very aggressive properties, and we've all heard the stories of what was on that land before and, 
you know, we're going to cap this, do that, do whatever it is. And you guys were very um, adamant in signing. You would, you were bringing in reports from the state, bringing in forts from the federal government. You know, long story short, uh, you know, development basically sprawl, even redevelopment of an area that may have been used for other things in the past uh, was tabled. And you know, that property is now, I think, w- with use for the city. But I think people don't realize the good news out of that, the proverbial silver lining is that whole project basically has moved a mile down the road. And now you're seeing the Kmart property repurposed that already been in development. I guess at one time had been, maybe before all of our time, had been a high school. Then, of course, there's Kmart. And now it's being dismantled. It's being ripped out. And sure enough, we're going to see East Bend coming there with a lot of the same stores they talked about coming in for what would have been, I think, city center. I mean, again, you guys played a huge role in that. And you basically, it's a win-win. We got that green space. We're keeping that thing clean. It's helping our waterways. Same time, we're going to see a site that already has been pre-developed, will be redeveloped. So we're not adding the sprawl in the community. Best use for that property, best use for the, the Burwell Creek area. So, again, congratulations. Again, I don't think y'all get the credit yeah. for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, that's a, always a, a very – Burwell Creek is a complicated issue to talk about. Um, I, I can say for a fact that I'm, I'm not pleased with as tough as that fight got, and I, I don't think that um, – the community was best served by how ugly that fight got. And a fair amount of that started before I even came on, um, at CRBI. Um, I, I can definitely say I'm, I'm pleased with the outcome. And I think that the community is best served protecting, um, that floodplain. Um, you know, this is a, a city surrounded by levees. Um, and so anytime we're talking about, you know, filling a, a part of our landscape that alleviates, you know, flood pressure, um, you know, that, that ought to be concerning. And, uh, I, I certainly wish no ill will to any developer that's wanting to provide amenities to this community. And again, um, our goal moving forward is to start these conversations off on the front foot. Um, I, we're pleased with that outcome. Um, I think that that site is better served, (laughs) um, untouched for sure. Um, but, um, Again, I, I think that there is uh, quite an argument to be made, you know, looking at that whole issue in hindsight uh, to think about um, a lot of wasted resources and a lot of, um, you know, unneeded anger inside the community um, where perhaps a good faith conversation at the front end might have might have gone a long way. Um, that never happens in Rome. We don't <laughs> fight around here. I mean, but no, it's, it's unfortunately what you said, and you made some good points there and all, and I love the idea of even being more proactive. So when maybe yeah. when some of these things come up here, there is more conversation. There is more dialogue going on. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe, like I said, we can alleviate. I mean, it's lots of money and lots of time, lots of ill. You know, there's still hard feelings, you know, all these years later, which I hate, unfortunately. Sometimes, you know, when you something settled, move on. It's But yeah. anyway, yeah. I still think to get the, you know, the positive, double positive out of that is that property is kept. We're seeing a property that uh, basically be redeveloped rather than sprawl out there. So good stuff on that. What is uh, next question on that? Talk about being proactive on there. So, what is on CRBI's radar? Um, well, we uh, we've got all kinds of things going on. Again, just kind of in this ever-reaching world of what does CRBI do? Um, one of the things that we worked on um, for the last couple of years and uh, was released last year was a documentary uh, by a filmmaker and professor at Barry, uh, Dr. Brian Campbell, um, called "To Kingdom Come." 
Uh, and it was uh, a really interesting look at the history and relationship between Floyd County and General Electric at the medium transformer plant. Um, and uh, the documentary gets its name to Kingdom Come from the amount of time that we'll be dealing with PCBs wow. in our river sediment uh, because there is no way to remediate that contamination. There's no way. Um, with current technology to do it in a clean way that won't send all the contaminants down into Weiss Lake. Um, if uh, you didn't get a chance to see that documentary, we've had a couple of screenings and we would love to do more. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do that at this point. Um, last year, when it debuted at Riff, it won the Audience Choice Award for a feature film. Oh, great. And um, it was really well received. I, I believe that it's done and portrayed in a, a very caring light. It's got interviews from former employees, uh, family members of former employees. Uh, it doesn't set out to demonize anyone. Um, but takes an honest look at um, some of the decisions that were made and some of the decisions that, frankly, were not made uh, to hold General Electric accountable and keep them here long enough to take responsibility for um, uh, some of those contaminations. Um, through a grant, we were able to edit that film down to just underneath an hour, and our goal is to we, – we had – like 500 DVDs made, and we're going to build a curriculum to take these out to schools nice. uh, to launch into a conversation with high schoolers to talk about the way we introduce chemicals into our environment before we really understand their ramifications and what it means to be a good corporate citizen after the fact. Um, uh, so if you're interested, uh, I would be happy to lend anybody that wants to see this film out a copy. Um, you can just swing by our office, but we're excited to launch that education wise. And another really exciting piece uh, about that documentary is, uh, the soundtrack for that documentary was provided by local folk and bluegrass musicians, um, that did just an amazing job. And the soundtrack was, um, so beautiful that we decided we wanted to compile a soundtrack um, to be sold as a benefit for CRBI. And so we're working on that now, um, and we'll have uh, details to release later, but the, the music is just beautiful. It, it's really exceptional. And uh, our hope is that maybe within the year, we can also get it pressed in vinyl. We've got a little turntable in the office, and I think that it would be incredible to have <laughs> the music from this film playing in our office. But um, look out for that soundtrack um, coming out. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be promoting it on our website and social media. I got to say, you guys sound like y'all are branding this thing. But <laughs> isn't that one of the big marketing terms out there? But I mean, it's where everything does, but it's a great idea. I mean, yeah. with, you know, with the video. Uh, is it available online? Um, I don't believe the video is. The soundtrack will be when okay. it's released. Um, like I said, uh, you can reach out to us if you want uh, to watch the video. We don't have any current plans to release that online just yet, um, but we may in the future. Good, good, yeah. good, good. All right, we're talking about what CRBI is doing right now, what it's doing for you to protect our environment. We'll talk more with Jesse about that in a minute. want to remind you we are coming to you from the studios of Brand Red Studios for Bale Street. As always, Todd Labarge, once again, doing a masterful job producing this. Take a quick break, come back with round two. This is the Hometown Headlines Podcast Edition, a.k.a. The Drug Report. More in a minute. I'm Ryan Simmons, Creative Director at Brand Red. We're honored to sponsor today's episode. 
If you're looking to grow your business, we help companies just like yours reach new customers. Contact us by visiting our website at brandredstudios.com or emailing us at info at brandredstudios.com. And welcome back to the Hometown Headlines podcast edition. Yes, you can probably guess what I said off air. Uh, John Druckermiller with you, hometownheadlines.com. We kind of call these things the Druck Report. We talk with community members. We are in the segment segment right now. Jesse is here from CRBI talking about a lot of what they've been doing, a lot of what they're going to be doing there as well, being produced by Todd Labarge, who will go in there and take out that little flood we had earlier before you guys could hear this thing. Anyway, back to reality here. Jesse, we're talking uh, off during the break here about this stuff. Um, one of the stories of the summer, one of the stories of this week has been some water quality issues with Lake uh, Alatuna Lake. I guess it's going to be the preferred pronunciation of that. Uh, a couple's dog, I guess, died after some issues there. Again, water quality issues. You guys are all over that. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Yeah, um, this is a story that I, I don't think anybody is going to be unfamiliar with at this point. It certainly made its rounds on social media. Um, there was a, a couple that had a, a dog that after swimming um, uh, died, and I believe it was liver failure. I, I think that, that was at least one of the cases, and it, perhaps that was from the North Carolina story. But um, as a result of swimming in water that they believe was uh, – uh, contained a, a bloom of blue-green algae, which is really not algae at all, but cyanobacteria, um, which can be uh, toxic depending on the concentration. Mm. Um, we have a, a blog post on our website um, that links to a couple of articles and has some tips that people can keep in mind um, to keep safe. Um, but very generally speaking, and uh, we've gotten as you can imagine, a handful of phone calls about this issue. Um, if you are in flowing water, if you are planning on paddling on the Etowah this weekend, you are more than likely perfectly fine. Um, the concentration, the buildup of this blue-green algae typically happens in uh, stagnant or semi-stagnant waterways uh, like lakes and ponds. Um, it is a feature of late summer. Um, basically, when you have um, nutrients in the water from leaking septic tanks or farm runoff where you have kind of fecal coliform um, in the water and you've got just high you know visibility lots of light going into the water and lots of heat um, these lakes just basically turn into incubators and you can imagine what what happens um, just over time especially with uh, these recent this this heat wave that we're sure. you know still sitting in um, and so there's you know some simple things that you can do to be on the lookout for but certainly if your plans are to go play on the river and the river is flowing you're going to be a-okay uh, generally speaking, anytime you're in freshwater or, or even at the beach, um, there are there are hazards. There are inherent hazards um, where you can be exposed to uh, different types of bacteria um, that could be extremely harmful, uh, especially if you have a, a compromised immune system for any reason, um, whether that is a recent surgery or um, some kind of uh, immunodisease um, that has... Uh, your immune system compromised. Um, generally speaking, um, you want to, if, if you are in a situation where you have a compromised immune system, you don't want to submerge your head. Everybody else, generally speaking, you're going to be fine. Now, if you were to sustain some kind of cut while you're out on the water, 
when you get home, just clean that thoroughly. Um, there are really just some kind of common sense steps that people can take to make sure that they uh, stay safe while they're swimming. But um, in terms of this blue-green algae, um, really looking at the surface of the water and uh, not getting in if you see that kind of signature slimy algae kind of sheen on the surface of a lake or pond. Um, and uh, bring a reliable, fresh a water source for your dogs to drink because yeah, you know point. when it's hot they're going to want to drink whatever they get in um, and that can certainly be um, hazardous for them mm, it's amazing it's what you'd be but we've heard so much about it including this case you know and it's out of tune a little, a little closer to home i think more yeah. eyes open up there so yeah and again you guys are a great resource by the way we should set it's going in there uh to find out what's going on with crbi www.cusa.org or phone number uh, 706-232-2724. If you ever have any questions about what you're reading, um, I hope anybody would feel free to call us. Um, send us an email. My email is jesse at org. Oh, make him do the last name. Come on. <laughs> That's why I do drunk at home. Well, well, but, but sometimes I have to spell it over the phone, so I opted yeah. to keep it simple. It's about a five-minute conversation. <laughs> if you're like me, again, part of the name, part of the name fun there as well. Well, of course, you guys watch those issues as well. You said you guys have been doing, as usual, working with our state lawmakers. Uh, very quickly, we'll mention this. Uh, I say we just lost. Really, it's been since the uh, session. But uh, I think a gentleman you guys were very close to with, Representative John Meadows, uh, passed away of cancer, I think, back in uh, January, February. Yeah, uh, a an absolute fighter underneath the Gold Dome and not somebody that you ever wanted to be <laughs> at odds with. Um, and uh, he was an excellent example of what a lawmaker can accomplish when they are listening to their constituents. And, and a perfect example of that is um, the recent fracking regulations that were passed uh, in 2018. Um, that was uh, an initiative that was started when... Um, landowners were being approached by people wanting to buy their mineral rights and they were concerned um, by fracking in northwest Georgia and what that could mean for personal property values for private wells um, and uh, CRBI organized some town hall meetings where we talked about the details and it's never it's never been our tack to say that fracking is the most evil thing in the world and can't be done well you can find examples where it's done been done catastrophically bad, and you can find examples where it hasn't impacted local groundwater. Um, our approach was people ought to have the right to be made whole. People ought to be have the right to clean private well water, uh, and if that is contaminated by actions of surrounding landowners, then they should have the, author the ability uh, to be compensated for that. And so... Um, Representative Meadows from Calhoun listened to his constituents and was our champion on House Bill 205. And this bill passed in two sessions, which for a proactive environmental bill is unheard of in the state of Georgia. And the result was Georgia's first regulation on fracking. There was nothing in Georgia's code that dealt with it until 2018. That's amazing. And um, a, a real a real honor and pleasure to have worked with so closely with uh, Johnny Meadows on that on that um, 
on that legislation. Yeah, we're really yeah. pleased with the outcome. He did some great stuff on that. You all did some great stuff as well. But I mean, it's, it's, again, that's you guys are watchdogs of the environment. That's some of the things, some of the, the pluses you guys do. What else? What else are you guys watching these days? Yeah, um, we're watching uh, Senate Bill 123, um, which if you read is, is really in the weeds about landfill tipping fees. But our goal is to uh, make Georgia less economically attractive for out-of-state people to dump their coal ash. Um, now, coal ash is generated from, you know, generating electricity by burning coal. Uh, and the ash itself is laden with lead, arsenic, cadmium, all kinds of neurotoxins, heavy metals. It's stuff that we don't want in our groundwater, um, and we don't want coming over state lines in droves because economically it is less expensive to dump coal ash into our landfills than it is household waste. Ton for ton, it's more expensive for you to take, you know, old cans of paint and old sofas to the landfill than it is to dump this coal ash in Georgia landfills, um, which is crazy. Um, And uh, uh, Senate Bill 123 uh, was introduced last session and is still alive to um, continue work next session. And that's something that we're certainly keeping our eye on. Um, And the other- It keeps coal, uh, it keeps- Outside now, we have our own coal ash. Let's face it, we got our own power plants. Yeah. So we have our own produced in Georgia. Yes. But yeah, we have out-of-state people trying to bring it in here and dump it here. Yeah, because it's more expensive in their home states to dump it than it is to ship it to Georgia. How does that even have to go on past one legislative session? I don't understand that. I. I think there there are a couple of things that are really in the weeds at play. Uh, one of them is because of interstate commerce laws, we can't pass legislation that prohibits or sets a higher rate for out-of-state generators of coal ash. Uh, and uh, Georgia Power wanted the lower rate as they are closing all of their own ash ponds and wanted to have that option to do it at the old cheap rate. Um, and so when Georgia Power fought for the right to dump it at that cheaper rate, they also were inadvertently fighting for the right for, you know, Duke Energy and Florida Power and Light to do the same. <laughs> well, so that's yeah. uh, Senate Bill 121? Uh, 123. 123. Yeah. Keep an eye on that one as well. Um, and uh, it, uh, as we're talking about this, I do want to mention if anybody is interested in getting um, – not a ton of spam, but during the legislative session, some updates on bills that are happening uh, down in the Capitol during the legislative session, they can go over to protectgeorgia.org. And that is a a kind of a listserv that is managed by the Georgia Water Coalition. Um, CRBI is on the leadership team of that group. Um, And it is uh, infrequent emails, but uh, that lets you know what lawmakers are trying to do with your water. (laughs) No, good point. And we need to have it, too. Yeah. And so uh, if you're interested and if you want to have the opportunity to sound off to your own, you know, elected officials when these things come up, um, uh, that's a a really good resource. Good, of course. And people think, well, gosh, that's General Assembly. That's wintertime. We're getting close to wintertime. They're already having Oh, the the work never ends. I I had the, the very distinct opportunity uh, to go on a flight with uh, uh, Representative um, uh, Matt Gamble, who's the freshman lawmaker from Cartersville. Yep. 
and uh, also Katie Dempsey. Um, so we took uh, some flights over their districts and talked about uh, different issues um, just as a way to get some FaceTime and build some relationships so that we're not only, you know, banging on their door during the legislative no, session. good idea. <laughs> um, and you know, one of the other things that we're working on um, is this issue of uh, environmental trust funds. Um, and I know that like half of your audience has just uh, signed off on the podcast app now that I say trust funds. But um, if you'll stick with me, this is actually ah. a, an issue that I think will get uh, people's blood boiling. The General Assembly has the ability to create fees for anything. All right. They can pass a law that says we're going to nah. collect we're going to collect a dollar every time you buy a new tire. And that dollar is supposed to pay to clean up illegal tire dumps. Um, or every time you go dump something at the landfill, your tipping fee is meant to help clean up abandoned hazardous waste sites. Um, now, if you look at the hazardous waste inventory uh, website, um, so many of the sites have been on that list since it was created in the mid-90s. And while the genera uh, General Assembly can create these fees, they do not have the constitutional ability to dedicate those fees. What that means in practice is they collect all of this money. This money goes into the general fund. And then after the fact, appropriators decide how much money these programs deserve. Nice. So nice. And so uh, particularly since the uh, recession in 2008, um, the economy has recovered, but the appropriations into these programs have not. Mm. And so since 2008, it's been significantly less than half of the money collected for these programs have con gone back into um, these cleanup efforts. And why I have a big problem with that is this is money that is collected locally. It's it's almost a sales tax. So Floyd County, Rome citizens, and, and citizens of every county that is in the upper Coosa Basin, we are collecting this money. We're being good stewards of being responsible and collecting the money that lawmakers said we're supposed to collect. We're entrusting it to them, and they're giving us back a small portion of, of what is supposed to come back into our communities to help us pay for cleanups at landfills or to clean up abandoned waste sites. Um, and what is required is a constitutional amendment that will allow the General Assembly to dedicate these funds in the future. Um, we have tremendous amount of support in the House, and we have run into right. hurdles in the Senate. Um, we are working on that tirelessly, and my sincere hope is that on November, in November 2020, um, while everybody is out there um, riled up about the presidential election, there at the bottom of the ballot will be a ballot measure uh, whether or not you support the General Assembly's right to dedicate these fees, and I hope that everybody will check yes. No, good option, good idea, <laughs> that as well. So you're right, it never ends, does it? Oh, oh, it never ends, and uh, we we keep really busy. And again, this just goes back to um, people's perception of CRBI being a paddling group. Um, perhaps <laughs> don't realize how much time during the legislative session I have to spend down in Atlanta. Um, fighting for these laws um, to help protect people's rights here in Floyd County. Do you see maybe one of our one of our closing comments? Here, do you see the green movement catching on? I mean, uh, maybe I'm being bad, but I mean, the other <laughs> day I'm reading a story uh, in the AJC about how um, Coke is going to start putting Dasani in cans. Hmm. I'm like, Gene, why do they want to do that for? She goes, because of the plastic problem. It never hit me. I said, yeah. oh, man, God, you're right. You know, but, but what a better way you can recycle an aluminum can 
and you can't really do a lot of plastic these days. Yeah, it's it's certainly challenging. And uh, to that, um, I think that we're in a, a really great time that makes my life so much easier. Um, I don't have to call it the green, you know, movement. Um, because that can be polarizing. And I, I love talking about clean water. And we are at this point where we don't really need our organizations to keep living as if we're in the 1970s. There was once upon a time where you were either an environmentalist or you were a business person. And that line has all but vanished. Good. You know, we have <laughs> bankers and, you know, business people that expect clean water when they go trout fishing on the weekends. Um, and people are paying attention, and, and I'm really grateful for the way our culture has shifted to where we might disagree on so many different things, but everybody, when they read that drinking water scorecard, they're concerned, and they want to know Good. that they have reliably clean water coming out of their tap, um, and people are paying attention, and the more people spend time paddling our local waterways, the more they pay attention to the litter that goes in them. Um, so we are we're at a point where people are paying attention and we're really grateful. Um, and uh, if if anybody is listening to this and they want to, you know, join a dedicated group of people, we are going to be having a membership drive in September where we want new members who put their stamp of approval and cast their vote for clean water in our region. Um, and they can join by heading over to our website, CUSA.org. Sounds good. Final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, if anybody is interested in more up-to-date, um, there's tons of stuff that I didn't talk about. We're embarking on some really big restoration projects through some uh, federal grants that we're excited about, reintroducing native mussels. Um, where they have uh, died out on the Ustanala. If you want to keep track of what we're doing, follow us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, uh, an easy shirt search will find us, follow us, and uh, keep tabs. And again, if you ever have any questions, never hesitate to reach out and call. That sounds great. Yes, we appreciate it. I got to close with this, being a dirty old man that I am. <laughs> Joe Cook's video of the <laughs> muscles... Doing whatever muscles do there. I tell you, I got it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Oh, it's it's remarkable. And I was uh, I was actually walking through Kroger, um, buying some chicken soup and saltines because I had a, a a sick wife and daughter at the time when he gave me the call uh, because he could not think of anybody else that would nerd out as hard as I would when he gave me that call. The fact that he got that on video is absolutely remarkable. And if you don't understand the ramifications of actively reproducing muscles on the Etowah, it's huge. We have not seen actively reproducing muscles on that stretch of the Etowah. I, I don't, I don't know when, the last time that would have been. Um, so that's a really good look for water quality on the Etowah. And that's a stretch of river that a lot of people are spending time on. It's um, amazing so that was, video. that made me so it's, excited. It's so colorful. And the, and the, it's just... the life cycle of muscles themselves is yeah. just incredibly interesting. So if you haven't seen that post, I'm pretty sure it's shared on our page. Um, but, uh, yeah, the video was really remarkable. It was so cool that he was able to find that. Well, it's a great video, but also for you guys, another success story. Yeah. So good job on that. Absolutely. Jesse, thanks for your time. And we'll talk more about those upcoming problems, projects as well. want to thank you for that today. I want to thank Todd again for producing this as well, our friends over at Brand Red Studios. Again, the, the official home of the Home Done Headlines uh, 
podcast. We appreciate their work today as well. They're over at 4 Bale Street. We'll be back with more coming up down the road. Thank you for your time today, Jesse. Again, thank you for yours. Todd, for yours as well. Have a great day in Northwest Georgia.